I don't know about you, but I just sense there is an anointing of God in this place this morning. Anybody else feel that? Anybody else experiencing that this morning? I think it has something to do with the fact that this weekend, of course, Arlington Woods and what it does and prays for these services on a regular basis, that is a given. Um, but Friday evening through till about 11 o'clock at night, 11.30 actually, uh, the Ethiopians' youth, young people, invaded this place. They do every Friday night, but there was more of them. There was lots of them. I don't know if they had an out-of-town conference, but it was, it was amazing. Yeah, so um, that went on until about 11.30. Last night, um, they were here until about 12.30. How do I know that? I got up at 12.30 to put earplugs in. Now, just so you know, I live a wall and a wall over there. Look, I live next door. Um, I came over to see what was going on over here um, at about, I guess, 9.30. And there was something special happening in this place. But I got to tell you, at 12.30 at night, I didn't feel so special. I, I inside, I'd have to say my spirit was not really good. But as we ponder the fact that there was probably somewhere between 125 and 125, 150 young folks, primarily I think probably Ethiopians, in this space last night, ought to make Arlington Woods people proud for the way that we open up our facility to those to individuals from. Um, many churches, um, they're just an example of one. I think God's anointing was upon them as they met last night, and I think that there's a residue of that anointing that's here today. Thank you for that amen. Is there any other amens? God wants to work in us and through us and through all kinds of various people, and I just believe that today he wants to speak to us. I love the book of Philippians. I trust that as we've been studying the book of Philippians that you have been coming to take it in and understand it better what the Apostle Paul was trying to communicate to the people of Philippi. What he was trying to communicate to the Philippian people, to this young church. And today we're talking about being content. In a world where there's so many people that lack contentment, the Apostle Paul wants to give us what the secret ingredients are, if you will, he's already talked about some of them, but he's going to address two more this morning for us. You've heard it said already from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Who wants to be near to the Lord because the Lord is coming by? The Lord is near. And he says, rejoice. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Paul's writing to the Philippians, and he gives them these two commands, to be joyful and to be gentle. Be joyful and gentle. Paul says that God's call upon your life is to be joyful and gentle. Listen to those two words. Be joyful. 
Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. He says, I'm going to add some emphasis. If you didn't hear it the first time, I need to tell you again. Rejoice. Baba gives many reasons to rejoice. It shows us God redeeming his world. It's a book filled with good news. That God has loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to come into the world to redeem us so that we would have a way home, to show us the way home. I think that's good news. I think that's the gospel. And the Apostle Paul wants this to echo and reverberate down through his church, not only to the church in Philippi, but down through the generations to all the churches that will hear. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. The Bible says, put your faith in Jesus. But you know that not everything in the Bible is so lovely. Sin is not swept under the carpet. It's in full display for all to see. Abraham doubted. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer, and to cover up his adultery, he committed murder. At times, the, the disciples were faithless cowards. The sins of those recorded in the Bible only work to make the overall story that much better. God overcomes the sins of the world by sending his son Jesus Christ to go to the cross in atonement to cover our sins. When you look at over, the overall message of the Bible, we see ups and downs. There are times ugliness. But when you look deeper, and when you come to the end, God's plan has succeeded. His people are redeemed. All through the Psalms, they're filled with praise and rejoicing. Psalm 35, verse 9, Then my soul re will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. Psalm 32, verse 21, In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. I hope that for your sake, that you take time, I'd say every day, to read one of the Psalms. There's 150 of them. You could read a Psalm, you could read half a Psalm, but get the Psalms into your life. Often I make it a point to read a proverb every day of the month so that I'm getting that wisdom into my life because I believe that God speaks through his word. Does anybody else believe that this morning? His word speaks to us. And when Paul is saying to them to rejoice, and I'll say it again, rejoice, he's not just drawing that out from his own experience, which he has found this to be true, but he hearkens back to the book of Psalms where it's said again and again and again to rejoice. When God saves us, he gives us joy. And it's only right and proper and natural for believers in Christ to be joyful. It should, you should ooze with that. Through the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, there's our word, and self-control. When we believe in Jesus and know the forgiveness of sins that he gives, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he gives us joy. In other words, the working of God's Spirit in our life is, is a joy-filled life. 
God, command, uh, God commands us to be joyful. Paul was just echoing what God had said. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. The saints in the Old Testament were called to rejoice. Psalm 32, verse 11. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. You righteous, sing, all you who are upright in heart. Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. These young people last night, they were worshiping from I don't know what time. I just know it was until 1230. Did I tell you about that already? There's something about when Jesus gets a hold of your life, you cannot contain it. It's got to go somewhere. It oozes outside of your pores. Because of all that Jesus Christ has meant to you. And perhaps for some of us, it's been a while since we've gotten in touch with the reality that we gave our life to Christ and Christ wants to live in through us through the power of his Holy Spirit. We remember a long time ago when we gave our, our life to Christ, but he calls us every day to come before him sacrificially and to die to self again and to live for Jesus Christ and to live a life full of joy. When the disciples of Jesus were rejoicing that the demons were subject to them in the name of Jesus, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Do not rejoice that the Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let's not forget what it is that Jesus Christ has done for us. He has saved us to give us new life. And that ought to, we ought to shout, Hallelujah, thank you Jesus for what you've done for us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. See, I'm all worked up because I didn't get much sleep last night. <laughs> if you really like it, you can come over and bang some pots and pans <laughs> next Saturday night. But just know I'm not preaching next Saturday, next Sunday. But you can do it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Jesus told those who were persecuted for the sake of righteousness... Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Paul told us to rejoice. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and also mourn with those who mourn. He didn't say that. He said that here. Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. Boy, you said that with authority. God commands us to be joyful. A grumpy Christian is an oxymoron. Now just for you at home, because everybody else here got it, I didn't say moron. I said oxymoron. Too often churches are not places of joy because those who attend are attending out of duty rather than delight. And when people come to church out of duty, there'll be no joy. Anybody want to say amen about that? There will only be this religious experience. There will only be a checkbox and an absence of joy. But when we gather as, out of the, to the church out of delight, there will be great joy in the house of the Lord. There will be great love that is shared all around. Paul says, joy is a choice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. You need to rejoice. In other words, there's no time in our lives when we're excused 
from being joyful. That's hard. Not all of us this morning feel joyful. And I get that. There are times in my life that I don't feel so joyful. There are times when life is particularly difficult. The last thing I want to do is be joyful. But in those times, as difficult as we, fi- as, as difficult as we find that, Paul would encourage us to fight for joy. Fight for joy. How about you this morning? Are you seeking with all your heart to find this joy in the Lord? Is this even important to you? Do you ever think about this? Do you make conscious efforts to rejoice in the Lord? How often do you think about Jesus in a day? How often do you put other things in your life before Jesus? Before his word? Before lots of things? Or is this something that you just sort of plop onto the end of your day? This is something that you strive after. Joy is truly the gift of God. And he wants to give it to you. Paul encourages us to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He's encouraging us to do that, to strive after it with all of our heart. Because when we do, God says, I want to shower you with joy. I want to give you things in your life that you can be joyful about. Paul practiced what he preached. Think about the circumstances surrounding this letter. We've gone through some of this already if you've been following along. And if you haven't followed along, then you need to go back into the YouTube channel and pick up what we've talked about already. Think about the circumstances. As he writes, he's under house arrest in Rome, constantly under, uh, under imprisonment. Paul calls it imprisonment. Chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he is under the threat of death. Should the judgment of Caesar in the upcoming trial turn against him? He's got that hanging over his head. Chapter 1, verses 15 and 17, as he writes, there are many people who are preaching Christ from envy and strife, and they're trying to get other people to not follow Paul, but to follow after them. But in in the midst of all of this, Paul says, I rejoice in all of this. Rejoice. Circumstances have not gone his way. He's faced death, and yet he's joyful. This wasn't an attitude that simply came upon him while he was in Rome. This was a perspective that was a part of his life, all of his life. Verse 4 says he was able to rejoice because he was rejoicing in the Lord. He was rejoicing in the Lord. He was remembering what Jesus had gone through. He was remembering what Jesus did for him. He was remembering. And truly, to rejoice in the Lord will help us in whatever we face, whatever persecution we face. Because life is fragile, don't we know? Life is fragile. If, putting it another way, this morning, if, if you're waiting until life gets good enough for you to rejoice, then I just want to say that, that you'll never have the attitude of which God speaks, of which Paul speaks, sorry. But if your hope is in the Lord, your rejoicing will never cease. 
Work with filling your life with Jesus and being like Jesus, and he will allow you to rejoice in the midst of all of the stuff that's coming down your way and all the challenges and I call all the crap that's coming in and moving in against you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. A lot more could be said about rejoicing. We could spend all of our time on that. Not only should we be joyful, but we should also be gentle. Let your gentleness be evident. The Lord is near. Verse 5. The word gentle is only used about seven times in the New Testament. It means patience, softness, forbearance, reasonableness, moderation, kindness, yielding, leniency. This is illustrated in the, in the story of Jesus with the woman who's caught in adultery in John chapter 8. It says there in verse 3 and 4, she was caught in the very act and she was brought before Jesus, a teacher. And according to the strict letter of the law, she should have been stoned to death. And so she was brought before Jesus for this judgment. But according to his gentleness, Jesus went beyond justice to, appro- to appropriate mercy in this case. Chapter 8 of John, verse 7. As he looked on the crowd, as they had stones in their hands... Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Just listen to let that sink in. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. This is the gentleness to which Paul is calling us. He is calling us to fairness. He is calling us to open our minds and our hearts to what it would be that the Lord would desire in that particular situation. He's calling for a softness. If you take that word gentle and gentleness and you extrapolate it into some of these, these other words, how, it's, how it is translated, he is calling us to a reasonableness. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Often in life, there are those that just want to pile in. They want to drive in. They want to, they want to have a say. They want to make sure that they're known. They want to make sure that the, the verdict is read. They want guilty. Proverbs, Jesus. I'll say, well, just wait a minute. Just wait a minute in all of that. Jesus' gentleness is illustrated in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 38 to 42. You've heard it it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was part of the law. But this is what I say to you. Do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. In other words, better to be wrong with mercy than to be right with justice. Think about that just for a minute. There have been, there certainly has been one moment in my life where I thought I was right, 
And I was willing to go to the mat for that. I was willing to almost die with that. And see a relationship severed and to see a, a church destroyed. But after a while, God spoke to me and said, you know what? I need for you to eat this. I need for you to be gentle. I need for you to have a level of softness. I need for you to be the person that takes the step first and see what I'm able to do. It's hard. It's really hard. Some of us may be in relationships right now that are tanking. It's because you have drawn the line in the sand and you're saying, I'm not going to cross, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change on that. Sometimes we take that to the grave with us. I've seen it. I've heard it. In those situations, what is God calling you to? You to do. Is he calling you to turn the other cheek? Is he asking you to walk the next mile? What is he asking you to do? It doesn't mean that in every situation that we just roll over and we play dead and we let everyone trample over us. There have been times in my life, my, my natural tendency is to allow for that to happen. I am a people pleaser by nature. Anybody else? No, don't raise your hands. People pleasers. Just, you're you're going to please people almost at any cost. And it comes at a cost. There are times when I just feel inside, I feel like a doormat. I've just been run over, run over, run over, run over, because that's the way Jesus is. It's not always the case. Quite often, that's not the case. There are those moments when you need to be that way. There are those moments that you need to show mercy. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and 24 says, for you've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. Listen to this about Jesus. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and to live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? To discern God, is this one of those cases where I need to step up or is this one where I need to be more gentle? Not blurring the lines of his, his, his law. But often there are times when we err more on being legalistic than we do on being graceful. Then the passage we read earlier from a sermon before, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. In your relationship with another, one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant 
Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus was, was greatly wronged at the cross, but he didn't stand up for himself. Instead, he was like the silent sheep before its shearer. And when people in the church have that kind of attitude, it will lead to, the, to unity in the body, personally, in your families, personally, but also in his church, if we have that kind of attitude. I think that this is where we see this next phrase coming in. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. When wrong and injustice is done to you, you need to have a bigger hope. You need to have something where you are looking beyond what's happening around you and to see the bigger hope, which is Jesus. You need to know that the Lord will deal with such matters and set them straight. That's what I finally had to come resolve to. I had to come to the resolve that this is not my fight. And Lord, if you are calling me to be the, I'd say, the bigger person, the bigger man, and to walk across the room and say, our relationship and the relationship of this church is far more important than me being right. It's way more important. Then if that's the case, then I want to be like you. And Lord, if that's the way it is, then that's the way it is. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have such a gentleness in your life? Though Paul didn't use this exact word in describing the fruit of the Spirit, he spoke of a parallel word, and that parallel word was self-control. In other words, not only are you to cultivate this in your life, but when you trust in Christ and receive his Spirit, God will work this in your life. If this is what you desire... And if this is the desire of your heart, I just want you to know that God wants to partner with you and to bring this as part of your life, joy and gentleness. That's what he wants to do. Do you have it? Or are you angry? Are you argumentative? Are you contentious? What would others around you say? Do you have people around you that actually speak into your life? That tell you about your rough edges? Some of you have all adult kids, don't you? Adult kids? Any of you have any adult kids here? Well, some kids, I see, yeah, some kids that maybe are adult, adult-ish. They're just still trying to figure that out. <clears throat> what I'm coming to understand is in our relationship with our kids over the course of probably the last six months to eight months, if you give them the opportunity to speak into your life and to talk about things about, about maybe even parenting and about all kinds of various things, about your character, about how you raise them, if you will give them a window, if you will give them just a slight opening in a door, often They'll be happy to communicate with you about things of their heart. And we're experiencing that anew and afresh in our relationships. So I encourage you to ask some of those people around you, is this the way that they see you? 
Do they know that this, that the, this element, this quality of you want to be gentle, you, you want to be joyful, would they say that you are? Philippians 4 says, let your gentleness be evident to all. In other words, let everybody see and know that you're willing to bend for the sake of mercy. Let everyone know that there's a softness and a reasonableness in your character that can be characterized as gentleness. People ought to be able to see and notice when you drop the subject for the sake of peace rather than drill at home. People around you can see how you deal with others. They can see how you respond. What kind of people do you want to be around? Do you want to be around vengeful, contentious people? Or do you, do you, do you want to be around joyful people or around gentle people? Now, I'm not saying that, you're, that you, you don't go around those individuals that are challenging. There are those challenging people in your life. And there are times that we minister to them and we help them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, what are the kinds of people that you need to build around you in order to help you to be that all that God wants you to be? I just want you to know that as you live out your life, and if you are to apply what you've heard this morning people are going to notice and people are going to see Jesus through you because of the joy and the contentment and the gentleness that is evident in your life. They will see Jesus through that. That passage of scripture, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. Remember it this week. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again, he says. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Father, as we finish up this passage this morning, I just pray that you would definitely be evident to all of us, that the Lord would be near to us as we endeavor to live out this passage of being a people that are full of joy and a people that are noted as being people of gentleness. Thank you for what you mean to us this morning. And if there's anyone here this morning that seeks this in a greater way, may they call out to you, the one who gives freely. In Jesus' name, amen.